Welcome to episode 58 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Hey, everybody. I've got a big announcement. I've been working on something for weeks and weeks, if not months. It feels like forever that I've been working on this. It's a new program. It's called Empowered Networking. And it's an online group coaching program where I'm going to bring members who are feeling anxious and or disillusioned about networking in general, but in particular at events and conferences and help them feel strategic, effective, and empowered. This is all based on my best-selling book, Croissants vs. Bagels, which I have to say, it's so exciting. The book has received over 150 reviews worldwide. It's wonderful reading about what's resonating for my readers, but I know, I know that I can do even more for them if I can help them sort of actualize and really put into practice all the amazing takeaways in that book. I know a book can't in itself change the world, but it could inspire you to try. And so that's why I created this course, uh, which is an amazing 10-week program. And there'll be a Facebook group and accountability partners. Listen, there's a lot going on in this package, and I want you to, to see all the details. So if you go to RobbieSamuels.com slash Empowered Networking, that's RobbieSamuels.com slash Empowered Networking, and the link will be in the show notes at episode 58. You can learn all about it, see what the details are. If you have questions, I'd be happy to set up a time to chat and talk to you about them. But you want to get on it soon because there is a special that's going to end on Wednesday. So if you if you get there, you'll see that there is a one-hour free consult with me, a free complimentary coaching call with me if you sign up by Wednesday. So that's tomorrow if you're listening to this the day this show comes out. So don't hesitate. Go check that out and be one of the people who grabs one of the slots in my calendar because I really want to help you, you know, just take your take all your networking to the next level. Let's do this. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. If you enjoy business podcasts, you should also check out C-Suite TV at c-suitetv.com. A quick note about the audio quality for this week's show. I goofed. I set up a new computer and didn't check all my connections. The audio was not recorded with my fancy Heil microphone, but that just makes my guest sound even better. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is a successful podcast host and influencer. Not so long ago, she was a correctional officer. Many days, she would wake up unhappy and realize that if she was going to change, she needed to make it happen. She cast aside her self-doubt and fear to create a job that she loves. Like many successful entrepreneurs, she shows us that with determination and perseverance, you can find a career that is fulfilling and makes you happy. To date, she's interviewed over 220 high-achieving business owners and CEOs on her podcast, The Business Building Rockstars Show. She knows a thing or two about what makes interview guests stand out and how to turn listeners into leads. She took that knowledge and launched a second podcast, Get Guest Ready, and her venture, Interviews That Convert. She inspires and helps business owners increase their visibility exponentially through podcast guesting. For her achievements, 
Huffington Post has recognized her as one of 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs of 2017. Please join me in welcoming Nicole Holland. Woot, woot. Hello, hello, Robbie. Hey, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me from your home in Ontario, Canada. It is so great to have you here. So I want to just jump right in. I know my audience will be curious to learn a little bit more of you and your day-to-day, but this is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah, I love this question. And I'm I'm not sure that I'm going to answer this in a way that normally people would or normal people do. But I have to be really honest. Leadership to me is just, for me at least, is being authentic. And I'm not sure that I, I can't recall when I realized, if you will, that I had this leadership ability, but other people recognized it in me. And from as long as I can remember, from the time I was very young, I was a a natural leader. And I used to get told that a lot, natural leader. I received a a citation from the state delegate for a program and, and event that I planned just from my brain, like just something I was inspired to do when I was 13. Um, And I've always done things like that. And I've always been able to pull people along with me without really understanding. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't know the first thing about sponsorship, but I knew I wanted to have an event and I didn't have any money. So I needed to get money. So I got money. I got money from the PTA. You know, I got donated food to do this event. I got, I always was able to get people on board with my ideas. And the funny thing about that is I never felt like a leader. I just, I just had to be me, but with school and stuff, I wasn't popular. Like it wasn't like I was class president or any of these traditional leadership roles. And I think that's why I never really realized, you know, that I was a leader. And even even today, it it really is a stretch for me to embrace being a leader, you know, a thought leader and a and and just it, it is it's a challenge every day. But so I think again for me when I really think truly and honestly about leadership in my life, what it means is just that authentic, real, true self, letting that person shine through and allowing people to, to celebrate with you. I love that, that you led with, with authenticity because I, I, I have to, if people haven't met you, they should know that you really do let yourself shine through and that you're not conforming to expectations. So describe a little bit your aesthetic that you put out into the world. Yeah. And so, see, the funny thing about this too is I think when when I think about it, it's like, oh, but this is wrong. But this is how I, like, I'm such a oxymoron, if you can be an oxymoron. Like my hair is purple and right now it's got gradient of uh, dark purple and blue and... Um, Little magenta, maybe. Little magenta, like different shades of purple. <laughs> like my nails are done. You know, I got like shellac. So I've got that. But then I wear t-shirts. I don't wear makeup. I don't even like wearing a bra. Like I'm I'm just this, on the one hand, you know, like I love fashion. And on the other hand, I'm like, no. So I guess for me, the way I aesthetically show up is just whatever I feel. And it's something that oftentimes... I tell myself, whoa, okay, I have to dress for this environment or I have to do this thing for this environment. And I can do those things. At the same time, if I'm 100% natural, 
I'm like, you see me right now. And I know that this is an audio podcast and people can't see me, but if they see any of my videos, it really took me a while to get to this point where I can just be me. And my, what I love is like my clients, even though I have some like really like button up, you know, corporate people that I I was afraid. I was afraid for a long time that I wouldn't be able to work with those people because I'm not looking like those people. But what I find is they love me. My people love me. And so I don't, I try not to put myself into any, you know, distinction or, or any class or group. And I just... I don't know. I find that I attract all kinds of people who also look and act and speak and differently than me. What I love though, is that they're, they're probably drawn to you because you're not hiding behind any kind of guys. They, they trust you now because you're willing to just be real. And then they feel like, Oh, maybe then I can be more real because behind that button up, you know, they might also have a part of them. That's like, well, I need to have a little other parts of me come through and and you're able to help them find a way to share that and not just be the button up. So I it's just I you know it's one of those things I know everyone who interviews you needs to touch on. I don't want to dwell on it, but <laughs> I actually really appreciate that about you and I also recognize that it's a risk. But when I've talked to people about, you know, should I put this particular volunteer effort on my resume if some people may not like it? I'm like, well, would you want to work somewhere? that wouldn't like the fact that you dedicated your time and energy to that cause. And similarly, like if you want to be you, I mean, the world's big enough now that we don't have to all conform and we can still find ways to be madly successful. So that's, that's just really cool that you led with authenticity because it's a word that I would definitely associate with you. And I also think it's so cool that you have these, these leadership moments, but no official leadership title. Um, and that people were encouraging you, you know, the less to like, go ahead. And you, obviously you were an entrepreneur at a very early age. Like I didn't know what sponsorships were, but I was like, we need food. So I'm going to go get some sponsors. Um, and I, I think I did a lot of similar things. Like I didn't have any of those official roles, but you know, you still just kind of make things happen. Um, so what is it you love about the work you're doing right now? Like what is most rewarding in particular? It really is just allowing myself to be myself. And, you know, you mentioned risk. And for me, not allowing myself to be myself is what was making me miserable. In the intro, you mentioned that I was a correctional officer. And I was literally dying. Like, literally. Like, my my health was not good. Um, and I was getting sicker and sicker. And it... what. Once I left that, when I left that, when I made the decision, and this was a pivotal moment, right? Making that decision to say, I don't even care what happens to me. I will flip burgers at McDonald's if I have to. And I believed that. That wasn't just a, me saying it. And I was terrified that that could come to pass. But when I really thought about it, I knew it wasn't going to. And I found that within me that I just said, I will not live like this anymore, like anymore. And I quit with no plan, no nothing and no network, no, no nothing. And I just said, it doesn't even matter what happens. I, I, I will survive, but I will not survive like this. You know, I have to say, I heard that part of your story in an interview you had done. And I thought, why didn't Nicole lead with this when she was telling me about, you know, what she did and how, cause it's such a, I mean, stories are just so compelling and it's very vivid, vivid, 
this idea that you you got to a January and you were like, by the end of this calendar year, I will not be here anymore. And then found yourself at the end of the year still there with no plan. And I know there are listeners right now thinking that's happened to me. I made a declarative statement and no action, but you didn't get stuck then. You that's the moment that you were like, no, I'm really, I am really doing this. Like I had made this plan and you executed it without having had, yeah, I had had to to. because staying one more day, that was, I, it was, it was killing me every, every, every bit of me, it was killing me. And it was that realization where I had to say, oh my gosh, like, whoa, what's going on here? And, and it was a, here's the reality. Like I have a mortgage. I don't have a second ink. I don't have a partner. I don't have a, you know, a trust fund or anything. I don't have anything. And if I, and I literally, you may know about this about my story and you may not, I had enough to get through about a month. Well, that day, so I, it was an overnight shift. I quit. Um, and my, my I, I left my shift at 7am. So my superintendent would have gotten it that day. I believe it was a Friday morning. Um, I got home and, and I'm in a very, I'm in the snow belt and we had a very bad winter that year and there was a snowstorm and my furnace went out, like out, not needs a repair. It was like beyond repair to where the repair would cost more than a brand new furnace. That happened that day on a Friday afternoon. And that was my moment where I went, and I had a neighbor go, can you get your job back? And I go, no. And it was, it was just the amount of money was just over what I actually had in the bank and had to dip into my credit card. And that was all I had. I had like one more paycheck coming. And it was really that experience that, that made me realize this is it and my life will never be the same. And come hell or high water, I will create the life that I deserve and I will be responsible for that. And I think that's the difference where when we go through experiences and we think here I'm stuck and I know I'm born to be a leader. I know I'm born for something great, but yet I'm allowing myself to stay in this. And I promised myself and hmm, ha, hmm, hmm. there's always a crutch. And it was a moment where I literally could not have made a different decision. And I had a business, I have had businesses before. And I was offered a job and, you know, I took the job and I've, I've been in that space, but I've never been in that space with that knowingness. And I think that is what was different. And it's not something I can explain other than to say it was just a knowingness. And I think anybody who is going through life living in whether it's a, a body or a job or a marriage or a something that is just not right for them at some point when they just know I have to, I I cannot continue. I will not continue. I don't know what's in front of me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will deal with it one step at a time because I refuse to continue as I am. The other piece of your story that made you really compelling as a guest was that you then burst onto the scene how long ago was this moment that you left your job? My last official day was December 28th, 2014. And we are now uh, recording on July 13th of 2017. So three and a half years ago. Two and a half. Two, two and a half. Yeah. I can do math. 
I, I mess it up all the time. It feels like yesterday. I mean, this has been such a wild ride. Yeah. So somewhere along the way, you went from not knowing anybody in this space to being an influencer yourself in this space, having an amazing Rolodex, helping everybody that you know also make their own way. You didn't even, did you listen to podcasts? You were not I didn't even know what a podcast was when I interviewed John Lee Dumas. I mean, barely. I just knew about what it was because I was searching for you know, what are the strategies that people are using today to build an online business and and get leads? And who are the best people teaching those strategies? So I guess I'm curious, in particular, this all really starts with a summit, right? You did a virtual summit. Yes. Had you listened to a virtual summit before? Yes. So that was something that was a saving grace for me. In fact, I had no internet presence. I, I, was a, I was a correctional officer. And before that, I was a foster parent. So I was dealing with really, really bad people, like really hardcore people. I wasn't in some like country club. I was dealing with really bad people. And so I never was trying to say, hey, here I am. Come find me. I had no interest in being a public person. And I'm an introvert. I mean, I guess I would be considered now an ambivert or something because of I've adapted for the last couple of years, but I was very happy to be working behind the scenes. I am a strategist and, and I love helping people have success, but I never needed to get that the accolades or anything like that. I tended to, but I never looked for them. Um, so yeah, I had, it was November, 2014. And I was, it, it's like I had been, so out throughout that year, right? Because it was the New Year's Eve turning 2013 to 2014. It was a night shift I was working and I had the most horrific working night of my life. And that was when I promised myself I would not be there for another turn of a year. And so throughout 2014, I was in this desperate state. I was sick. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Doctors couldn't figure it out. I was just broken in every sense of the word. And I was constantly looking. I mean, I wound up getting my real estate license in that year. I was doing anything. I'm like, what can I do to just get out of here? I was looking for a rope to pull me out. And I got my coaching certification in 20, you know, 2013, 2003. And I had a coaching practice in the past. And I thought, well, and I also had a corporate training firm in the past, right? But this was all before internet. And so I thought, well, I've done it then. I can do it again. I don't know what it's going to take, but let me learn. And so I started Googling and I found group coaching and, and how, who, how do I find out how to do that like online? Um, and so I came across a woman called Michelle Shubnell and she had a, I mean, literally I Googled it and it came up. Uh, I think it's uh, coach and grow rich or something like that. And she was all about group coaching. Well, within a couple of days, I'd never been on an email list before. I didn't even know what that was. Um, within a couple of days, she'd sent something out saying, hey, I'm going to be on this summit with, and it, it was called the Superhero Summit Author Speaker, Author Speaker Coach Superhero Summit. I'm like, awesome. Coach Summit? What? What, what is this? And all these experts were coming together to tell coaches how to be Get, get clients, basically. And I was like, this is cool. So it was led by a woman named Marisa Murgatroyd. And that was November of 2013. So about a month before I had that realization that, wait a minute, I'm still here. So I had, I had come to that and I bought from every single person that was selling on that summit that I resonated with. Um, and because I was like, let me just learn, let me absorb. 
And then it kind of, it, it was put to the side. But when I quit my job, I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And so I, I got a coach and I, I made some, you know, choices that I have still from desperation until one day, about five months later, I was like, no, I'm not doing it this way. I'm being told to do it. I'm going to do it my way. So what can I do? And that's where I thought, wow, this was a really cool model. And since I left my job, I came across a couple of other summits that I really enjoyed and learned a lot from. And um, Nick Loper, actually, he was on a summit, the WP Summit by Jan Koch. And Nick Loper was the first podcast I ever listened to, but I didn't even know it was a podcast. I didn't know what that was. It was just something I was listening to on his website. Um, So I think at the time where I interviewed John uh, about podcasting, I think that was the only podcast I'd listened to. So I have a question then, Nicole, Mm. because the focus for me... Um, is about networking and and people always ask me like who are my ideal podcast guests and I you know I say it's not people who can come on to teach a particular skill like sales funnels or how to you know create a really good autoresponder email sequence but who have a story about how they rose to leadership in their industry because if you've done that then you must know something about relationships and networking is to me about relationships and you need a context to have that conversation because networking without a context to me is like statistics without a context. (laughs) I I personally work better with applied statistics. So you have this idea. I just find me so fascinating. Okay. I'm going to do my own virtual summit, but you don't know anyone. Right. So tell me how you got, was there any psychological barrier to that before you tell me how you actually did it? Was there a, a part of you thinking, what am I doing reaching out to John Lee Dumas? No. Who, if, if people don't know who he is, he is, he's the first to do a, a daily podcast. Is that, I yeah. think that's accurate. Yeah. He's, I mean, he gets 1.5 million downloads a month. He makes multiple hundreds of thousand dollars a month from podcasting. And he just started like yeah. I don't know, 2014 or something too, or 2012. He led the way. He led the way by doing a, a daily show at a time when people thought that was ridiculous. Many have tried to imitate him since um, to whatever level of success they had. Um, so did, yeah, did you have any, I mean, I guess now we call it imposter syndrome, but you didn't even know who you were, who you were trying to imitate. So maybe you didn't have any imposter syndrome. And, and that's what I say a lot of times is I think my ignorance is bliss, right? So what I knew was I wanted to, I wanted to help people like me. So I didn't want to create a summit like Marisa had. I didn't want to create a summit like other people had. I wanted to create the perfect ideal situation that if it were presented when I quit my job, I know I would not have had to spend six months and tens of thousands of dollars learning really great lessons about what I didn't want, right? So I thought, what do I want? What would I have wanted? And so what I did was I mapped that out and I decided these are the types of people I want. This is the content that I want and it's et cetera, right? So I mapped that out. And then I asked myself, well, where do I find these people? I don't know who they are, but how do I find them? Where do I find them? Now, mind you, Robbie, at that point too, I had never done an interview before in my life. So there, was, there were tons of feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, but I kept coming back to that moment where I was standing there in the medium, say, uh, the medium hallway in the, in the prison and I was looking at the schedule and I went, I promised myself I'd never be here for another New Year's Eve and I am on the schedule. And I got, I just came, every time I would come back to that moment and go, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what obstacle is. I'm just going to deal, like 
whatever. So I created a, a PDF form and our, uh, you know, document. And I said, basically I used my humor and my personality. And I said, Hey, I want to interview you. And who the hell is this girl? Well, here's who she is. Like I just got out of jail. No, seriously. I just got out of jail. That's what, so I used humor. I used my story to say, here's who I am. Here's what I want from you, my expectations. I didn't expect anything beyond the interview. I was very clear about that. I said, this is my baby. And you know, I appreciate you. And so I just went above and beyond in appreciation, I believe. And it really was true. And I didn't look to take anything. That first year of my business, I was giving away, giving away, giving away just just to connect, just not even to like, I wasn't even developing relationships intentionally to leverage them later, if you will. And even when I started my podcast, it was like, I'd have a great guest and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'd really, do you want to be on more shows? I'd love to introduce you to some other podcasters. who I think you'd really enjoy my business as it is today was basically, I mean, I had people asking me to do this stuff. I was doing it for fun and still at the same time moving uphill, trying to get coaching clients to where finally I went, yeah, I guess I, you can pay me if you want. Like I don't, I kept saying like, no, don't pay me. Let me introduce you to these other people that do it. And then finally I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, Nicole, people ask somehow I, I'm an MSW. So I think people gravitate towards me for the being good at asking those kinds of questions. And I always say, is there something that people always come to you for advice about that you don't feel burdened by, that you feel almost like excited to share that, that you you really, you don't have to prep for a long time to answer them. You're just like, here's some ideas. Can you monetize that, right? Like, I think most people forget that some of what they naturally are gifted to do, the value they can offer, that for somebody else is worth paying for it. So I do find this really amazing that you went from, I've never interviewed anyone. I don't even know what a podcast is. Now you're, you're a strategist for people who want to be quality guests, not just any guests, but good at it, who want to use it as their own strategy to success um, and that you're helping referrals. You know, and I said to you when we weren't on air that like, I think what, what is also helpful is that your, your genuineness is, makes you easy to like and easy to remember. Whereas there's, I've been introduced to lots of um, these referral programs. Maybe I won't remember them quite as much. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny too with that is I have a really hard time letting people down. So that's what was killing me for a while before I did start monetizing this was I would literally spend all day, half, like a lot of days where all I was doing was making connections and making introductions between people because, and people would start coming to me and saying, hey, can you introduce me to somebody who does this? Can you all I was doing. And I had to stop there for a while. And so when I started getting asked about, um, you know, helping people officially, and I was saying, no, let me, let me send you and I would refer them to other people. Finally, it was like, I, I had to, so I started saying yes, but then what happened, Robbie, this is, and this has been a challenge and it's something, you know, I deal with every day and I'm getting better and better as we go on. But I, I decided, okay, I'm going to create this Get Guest Ready so I can teach everything. I didn't finish recording it and my business has exploded. I haven't even officially launched my business yet, to be completely honest. And I, I just got another client yesterday. So right now, my business 
is growing faster than I can keep up with. I've got people on a wait list. It's a great problem to have. I'm not complaining at all. And at the same time, I'm looking and going, I didn't finish this thing that I was doing. Oh gosh, I have to redo. Oh gosh, this isn't good enough. And I have to keep reminding myself that, and my coach reminds me a lot, that Nicole, you you don't have to worry about that. You've got this. Just focus on yourself and meeting your needs and your clients who are getting great results. Stay focused there. So you didn't finish your freebies. So you don't have the greatest email follow-up. So you, you know, your, your new newsletter isn't going, okay, so you didn't, it's okay because the people you need to, and, and this is coaching I give to my clients too. Like, hey, Focus on the people, focus on what's right and what's working. You don't need to worry about pleasing everybody, but I still need that reminder myself. And so it's been a wild ride for sure. I have to say, hearing how much dedication you've put into this work and time and that there's, as an entrepreneur, there's never like this, you know, go to the office, come home sort of line. <laughs> as as we are recording at 645 at night for both of us. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so with that in mind, um, you know, what does what does self-care look like for you? How do you incorporate that? That's a great question. One thing, you know, I, I there are there are aspects of my life where I'm very aware that I'm not taking care of myself well. And I think that awareness and going this is something, so for example, exercise, you know, I would like to be consistently exercising every morning and doing that. And at the same time, when I don't do it, I'm like, I'm not going to beat myself up about this right now because I am willing to give myself that grace. It's not a priority for me. Other people might say it should be. For me right now, I am a-okay not putting that on myself and doing something else. At the same time, I like to, one of my self-care things is I keep my mornings for me. I don't take appointments before noon. And so that gives me the ability to, if I decide I want to get some stuff done on my, for, for work, then I do. If it, if it means, so I live at the beach, I'm five, um, 500 meters from the water. If I decide I want to go walk on and like sit on the beach for an hour or two, I do that. Um, and so I think, and even today, you know, I, I have that flexibility to go and I went up to the this market with some friends and after we get off, I'm going to go out with some friends again. And so I think that for me, self-care, what's working right now is that just that awareness and allowance and like I'll, I'll go for massage regularly. I get my nails done. Like these are things that make me feel good. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, it's going to change too. Cause I recognize like right now I'm still hustling hard, but I also see that end in sight. And I know that there's some pieces that are going to be in place and what I'm going to do then not as a reward, like, oh yay, you conquered, but more as a lifestyle. This is that next piece I want to implement. And maybe that will be giving myself that I, I know I need a personal trainer, right? For me to actually do that 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 fitness thing, could I do it on my own? I could, but I'm not going to. So I'm going to give myself that structure and support that's going to help me take care of myself better. I love it. I think we all need to be reminded that I like the piece you said about uh, giving yourself some grace around it because sometimes the feelings about your feelings are harder than the feelings themselves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know, like get caught up in that. It's like, you, and you also know that things will shift. You know, you are still um, 
very much, you know, working nonstop to kind of get where you want to go. Um, I just described myself earlier today as, you know, eight years into being an overnight success, you know, I, and I know that I, I probably have a couple more years <laughs> to go to be that overnight success, but I also feel around the corner and it's a lot of work and it's what you have to do. So speaking of all that though, the people you have met, the relationships you've made, the network you've now created is, is pretty incredible. And I don't know the full extent. I, I mean, I only have some inklings to it, but are you doing anything purposeful to, to really nurture those connections? Like I get the whole email, you know, broad email list and all that, but like, do you, like, are you making sure that people remember you and you're on some sort of other wavelength, not just like one you need them, call them? So great question. I wish you all could see the face that Nicole <laughs> is making at me right now. <laughs> okay. So I'm terrible at follow-up. However, I don't forget anything. I don't forget people. I don't forget experiences. And it's a balancing act. And I and there are definitely systems and strategies I need to put in place. I want to put into place and I have not yet put into place. And I'm continuing to not put into place until the time that comes where I'm going to actually have them put into place for following up. I don't email in mass my contacts. Like for, for the people who I connect with and who would be influencers or whatever you want. I also don't see them that way, you know, and I look at what is this relationship. So I will tell you, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've got coming up, if you will, is I decided part self-care, part also relationship building with people I've already established relationships with, but nurturing, I guess, nurturing relationships. So I thought, you know what I really want? I really want to create a mastermind, but I don't want to create a mastermind that people are going to pay me to be in. I want to create a mastermind with people who I'm already in relationship with, who I respect, who respect me and go have fun together and like do things. So I've got two things on my calendar within the next, um, I don't know, nine months that I've started inviting some of my friends to. And that's really how I see these people. You know, some people have been mentoring me um, and I didn't ask for it per se. You know, I, and I also mentor people without asking for it. And I find that the more higher level people I'm working, not working with, but dealing with, you know, and in, in, in engaging with, the more generous people are. And so it's not, I'm, I'm not looking at how can I use them or how can I, you know, and I'm, and I'm not even anymore looking at like, what can I do for them? Whereas the first year was all about what can I do for people, but not in a brown nosy way, not in a way like, what can I do for them so that they do for me? It was never like that. It was, what can I do for them so that they'll feel good about this experience? You know? And so I, and now I'm at a point where it's like, I'm not looking to do that for anybody else anymore. Like now I'm at a point where I do charge for that, where people pay me to, to do that um, for them. And the people who I do have relationships with, I, I want to nurture those relationships. And so as an experiential person, right, who has way too many things on my to-do list, I want to go on a cruise. So I am asking some of my friends, hey, you want to go on a cruise? right? I'm not charging that they have to pay their way and I'm arranging it so that there's activities. And then we also have a room to do like masterminding for business and stuff, but it's just a nice balance and fun. So 
that's that's kind of how I'm connecting and and nurturing. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like you have a plan. Um, you know, at first you you were looking <laughs> I like I don't have a plan at all, but you do. <laughs> you also you spoke earlier about being more of an introvert, so it's probably not your best energy wise to like be everywhere all at once. And and it's a lot easier to have sort of a focused event, you know, infrequent, but focused where you can go deeper. Yeah. And small, intimate. And smaller and right. Intimate. So you're working to your strengths, which happen to also work out for everybody else, regardless of who they are, they're going to appreciate what you pull together. And by being the host, and it sounds like not just the host who schedules things, but host who makes sure everyone's having a good time you are, you're giving them that that's a gift for them as well. So they will remember that about you. So it's actually a super smart strategy. And it sounds a little bit like Dory Clark talks about going to dinners and John Corcoran's all about having dinners at conferences. And you're like, let's go to a cruise. <laughs> and, and those are my friends. And those are people who have supported me and who I have interviewed for the summits. And I have to say, John Corcoran, let me tell you a story here because I actually almost mentioned him earlier, but I didn't. Um, So when we were talking about that first summit, Nick Loper, I mentioned that I had, his was the first podcast. And that was a funny story too, of how I even came across him. I Googled side hustle because that was just a term I used. Like I wanted to, I wanted to coach people who are side hustlers. And so I was looking for domains with that. That's how I found Nick Loper. And through Nick Loper, I found this, the WP summit and so many other amazing things. And Nick has become a good friend and I love him so much through Nick Loper and going to, it was probably the first webinar I'd ever gone to. I didn't even know what the heck it was, but he introduced John Corcoran, who was all about um, connecting with influencers. And it was right at that time where I was thinking, I want to do a summit. So I, I listened to John's pitch and he made this offer where if you buy my course, you'll get a 30 minute call with me. I didn't care about the course, to be honest with you. And to this day, I probably still haven't finished it. I wanted that call with John. I wanted to get on the phone with him and I wanted to pitch him to be on my summit. I wanted him to let me interview him again, even though I'd never interviewed anybody because I just thought he was a fascinating person and I loved what he had to share. So um, so that, that call with John Corcoran, he wound up loving me and what I was doing and introduced me to a number of other people. One of those people was somebody somebody by the name of Amber Vilhauer. She said yes. She loved what I was doing and she introduced me to John, John Lee Dumas, right? So there's that network and that, but it was so, it was not intentional in the way of, you know, here's my objectives. And I love that in um, croissants versus bagels, you know, you're really talking about the the difference. And, and I'm that person who I've always, I always was that person who was like, ew, networking, icky, you know, and just this bad connotations. And I would feel like inauthentic if I was going into something with a agenda. But what I've learned from you is that there is a way that you can, I, I love the book, by the way, I'm very fortunate to have uh, gotten a, an early edition. Um, what I love is that you really do talk about creating that strategy, but not in a way that is, it's not inauthentic and it's also not, I'm at a loss for the word, but it's, it's not a negative way at all. It's very, it's very affirming for everybody. And Dory, you know, she was one of my best partners for the the last summit. And so I invited her to a little partner, you know, day 
day of fun and we went to an escape room and went out for Indian and, you know, it's that, and yes, you're right. As an introvert, probably that's probably a reason. And just my personality, I just like connecting with people deeply and intimately. Well, and you're doing something right. So if you were to go back and have the opportunity to talk to yourself when you were 25 years old, is there is there one thing in particular you'd encourage yourself to do to build a strong and supportive professional network? Probably not. To be completely honest, probably not. Um, I think on the one hand, and I, I knew this question was coming and I did give it a, quite, quite a bit of thought. And if, again, I'm totally honest, at, you know, at 25, I had a corporate training firm and I was in a completely different world than I'm in now. And I did build great relationships. My students were, I mean, these were professionals. These were, and I had great relationships with them. And I, I, I had great relationships with the HR people that I, you know, sold to. And, and so I never really... I never really looked at things like I need to hold on to anything. And, and this might, here's an aha moment that I'm having right here on your show. You know, it, it may be in part because maybe, who knows, but when I was um, 11, I believe, my little brother got diagnosed with cancer. And so we became involved with an organization that supports kids with cancer and their families. And as we did, and we got very deep into that, those were my friends, right? Like I never really built relationships with kids I went to school with or kids in the neighborhood. But when I went to Camp Fantastic and we went to multiple events a year, those were my friends. Those were deep relationships, right? And I would watch my friends die as a kid, right? Like I would lose friends and we could talk about that. And we could just, there was a song we used to sing at the campfire, um, make new friends, but keep the old one is silver and the other is gold. And it was just a, um, a lifestyle, I guess. And it, it was when you're dealing with childhood cancer, whether you're a parent or a child or it's you or, you know, it's your sibling or what have you, there's just, it's a different world. And I think that that really, probably in large part has molded how I look at relationships. And I don't, and I've moved around most of my life. People have come and gone and I really do value the now. I try and stay present. I value the moments that I have and I don't worry about, is there going to be a next one? Because now is perfect. And if I think about when am I going to see this person again? Or, oh, you know, I haven't heard from this person. I just, it's just not a way of life for me. That's very powerful. And I, I think we are all colored by experiences we have, particularly like really strong experiences like that we have in childhood. Um, how is your brother? Fine. As far as I know, I don't really talk to him, but he's, <laughs> he's alive and kicking. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Just wanted to close the loop. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He, I'm like, the listeners are going to be like, oh, you didn't sorry ask? about that. Yeah. No, um, Sean <laughs> got through. I mean, it, you know, it's not easy. And, um, I believe as an adult, you know, he relapsed and I, I don't, I don't really have a relationship with, uh, with my brother and I love him very much, but you know, we all make different life choices and yeah, but he, I, I saw him in May, so he's still kicking. That's great. <laughs> so if we were to meet a year from now and you were telling me what a great year has been, what accomplishments would we be celebrating? <sighs> that we still are in contact. I mean, that, there's no way that's not going to happen. 
just every, I, every day, every day. I mean, Robbie, seriously, this, the business that I am currently working on and in, in getting people booked on shows and getting them on the right shows and helping them understand how to convert listeners to leads and leads into actually sales, you know, this is only something I've been focusing on for about in a one-on-one way for less than seven months now. So I, I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to enjoy, appreciate, stay in the moment. And yeah. um, I would say probably what I'd like to accomplish between now and a year from now, I'd like to have a book published. I would like to have a team of amazing, um, really talented, really devoted people who also value relationships working with me. And I would like to see the podcasting industry in terms of guesting overall, especially up-leveled. I'd like, to, I'd like for people to really appreciate the work that goes into a quality podcast. I'd like people who are podcasters to value the importance of bringing the right guests on their shows that are connecting with their audience and just, yeah, still, still just killing it. That's great. So how can people find you or follow your work? Yeah. So let's have them go to interviewsthatconvert.com forward slash schmooze. And what I'll do is put a few things there. Um, we didn't really talk about podcast guesting and that really is like, you know, my biz. So what I'll do is I'll put a free resource there if people want to pick that up as well as links to to my podcasts and who knows, maybe I'll make a special video for the on the schmooze crowd. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> That's, That's the beauty awesome. about having these <laughs> things pre-recorded. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nicole. I love chatting with you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Nicole Holland. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 58. Do you host a conference or convention and you want your attendees to feel that your event was incredibly valuable because of the connections they made? One of the things I do is I work with associations and companies to really to kind of work with them to design these events that increase engagement and create a more welcoming culture for all attendees, especially their first-time attendees. So if you know someone who might be interested in working with me on that, I would welcome the introduction. Have you checked out Contactually yet? It's a robust CRM that I use to help me manage my most important contacts and the ones I hope will become significant. And as an affiliate, they're offering my listeners a free trial. So let me know if you sign up and I'll help you get set up for success. Visit RobbieSamuels.com slash Contactually for more details. That's Contactually, C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y. And for your convenience, I'll add the link to the show notes at OnTheSchmooze.com. Look for episode 58. And just a reminder, my best-selling book is available at RobbieSamuels.com slash bookstore. The Kindle book is just $3.99 this week, and the paperback with the free audiobook is going to be released on Tuesday, September 12th. So here is one of the over 150 reviews the book received on Amazon. The book is a quick read full of practical advice for networking. I attend a lot of conferences in my line of work as a union organizer and an educator, 
and it's easy to fall into a rut of being unproductive at these meetings. Reading this book was a kick in the butt to remind me to make the most of these conferences, and I'll be rereading this on a regular basis to make sure I continue to do so. I particularly like the advice about being inclusive and about both making and asking for introductions. There are some good pointers to help newcomers break into a group, but there's also guidance on how veterans of a conference can help make the experience more productive for newcomers and bring them into the fold. It was useful to see different approaches for extroverted and introverted people, as well as the mythical shy extrovert. We do exist. I walked away from this book with at least five specific things that I'll be doing differently as I attend my conferences this year, and I'll be suggesting that my colleagues read it as well. (laughs) Well, that was it. That was one of the over 150 reviews that I received on the book. That was a great one because it got really detailed about what they liked about it and what they got out of it. This is why I'm suggesting that you go pick it up. Again, robbysamuels.com slash bookstore. And if you want to discover other business podcasts, check out C-Suite Radio at c-suiteradio.com where you'll find On the Schmooze in great company with other C-Suite Radio headliners. Before I go, I want to sincerely thank all of you who've already subscribed and left a rating review on iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating review on iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.